And welcome back in to Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. Hour number three, David Shumate and Dave Harding with you. Obviously, a lot of attention this time of year is focused on football as we're less than three weeks away for Duke anyway to the start of the regular season. ACC football will get underway in earnest with the 150th year of college football with Miami and Florida going to kick things off a week earlier. I'm in the dovetail before we talk about basketball here in a second, Dave. Uh, not much conversation about that, but that's a pretty distinct advantage for those two teams. You essentially get an extra bye week. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, obviously on the front end, you've got to prepare a little bit earlier, but I think they they'll enjoy getting it out the early because um, that's a big time. I mean, think about the the implications of that game being in state, uh, played at a neutral site, but still within the state of Florida, a kind of a halfway mark there in Orlando between the two and. A lot to prove for both programs, but you think about from an ACC standpoint, Manny Diaz, the new head coach, uh, former defensive coordinator, had a short stint at Temple during the offseason and then uh, gets uh, thrown on and just now names his his new starting quarterback, uh, 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 someone who was not on the team a season ago. So there's a lot of different uh, things swirling about the Miami program, a lot of excitement swirling about, and they've got a lot to prove in uh, week, should we call it zero? Yes, I guess, I yeah. guess yeah. whatever you want to call it, right? Because normally those games are played in Australia or somewhere like that. But that one, as you said, is a very big one for both of those programs. We're going to pivot now, though, and talk a little bit uh, of college basketball and hopefully be joined by Associate Head Coach Nate James here in just a second here at Duke. But, you know, for the better part of a year, really in the sports landscape as a whole, but certainly in college basketball, the story in college basketball I don't know if you've heard of this guy. His name was Zion Williamson. Oh, oh, him, yes. You know what I when I associate the name Zion Williamson is with uh, with you. Oh, here we go. Screaming your <laughs> head off. Uh, what game? I mean, there are several games, but uh, there's one in particular so this is that, how this that, is that go. the national radio <laughs> just picked up on, and it's just Zion. What what, what was that? Was it the 360 dunk? I think that must have been that. Yeah. Spinning. Can you yeah. give us one right no, now? It's in the moment, but I, I, I got appreciate it. the subtle shot several times. <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, blood vessels did you pop doing that? Well, I mean, when you see a kid like you just don't expect, you know, six, seven, two, eighty five no. to springboard off the court and go spinning up at the rim. And I don't think I'm alone because there were a lot of defensive players that were doing the Matador defense <laughs> that wanted no part of being in any sort of a poster. He was such a unique athlete, and, and last year was such a unique team because you had, you know, certainly those three guys and the fourth freshman, if you bring in Trey Jones, talking about Cam Reddish and, and R.J. Baird and Zion Williamson, and those two averaging crazy how it worked out at the end of the year, both of them averaging 22.6 points a game on the season. So you had two guys that were doing more than 50% of your scoring, um, obviously an elite shooter and Cam Reddish. And I say that because I'm going to spin this forward uh, into this season, and I think it's going to be a, a different look to this team. And as we said, hopefully going to get Nate James's perspective here in just a second because the last couple of years it's been all about the freshmen. I think that will certainly uh, be a piece this year for Duke. But, you know, some of the guys that got considerable playing time, including both captains from a year ago, Jamin Delorier and Jack White, are back. 
you got three seniors on this team and two guys that had significant playing time a year ago. Yeah, I mean, Coach K is going to have to adjust a little bit. Is there a better coach in the country no. that adjusting? But uh, that's an unusual commodity for him to have with upperclassmen. you got to think back. I mean, Emil Jefferson and, and the likes of, of him were the last time that you were, where you had that good nucleus of, uh, of senior leaders. And to have Jack White and Javin, uh, in there and, and helping these young guys get acclimated to campus. Uh, they certainly have a lot of talent, but we all know having been at Duke basketball practices, there's a level of expectation and of, of, uh, of how you practice and what level that they want to see you at. So to help them kind of come along is a, is a huge asset, I think, for Coach K and staff. And there's some guys that have played roles, but maybe not incredibly significant roles to this point that I think are going to take a springboard forward in a big way. And maybe at the top of that list for me, and, and we will get to the freshman here in just a second, uh, a guy like Alex O'Connell, uh, someone who they practice a couple times, you know, individual workouts over the summer, a guy that has bulked up and, and looks like he's going to be someone who's going to be a lot more aggressive this season. Uh, but when you look at the returners for Duke, I, I think it begins and ends with point guard Trey Jones. Surprised a lot of people uh, when he decided to come back for his sophomore season but uh, when you have that ingredient of a point guard someone who's steering the ship and, and saying just a point guard doesn't really do him justice no. so a floor leader right from the moment he stepped on campus here at Duke being taught obviously uh, by an incredible point guard and, and Mike Krzyzewski that's only going to bring along some of these new guys we're going to talk about here in just a second that much faster yeah absolutely I mean how cool is it that Trey Jones, so often now the, the overwhelming narrative across all college sports is departing to go to the NBA. And, and with a guy like RJ or, or Zion or, or even Cam, it, it makes sense to, to go on and do that. But for Trey to come back, uh, a unique opportunity to add a, another exclamation point to an already really good uh, Blue Devil career and a chance to get some of these freshmen uh, up to speed in ACC play and make a run in March. And when you think about Duke, obviously you think about championships and someone who knows a lot about winning national championships is associate head coach Nate James. Uh, won one in 2001 as a player and, of course, 2010 and 2015 as a coach. And, uh, Coach, appreciate you jumping on. You, you may have heard us. We are talking about Trey Jones a little bit, a little bit, I should say. A, a key piece, obviously, for you guys, I may be understating it, uh, coming back for year number two. But the stability, particularly at that position on the floor, I is it possible to overstate that? Oh, no, definitely um, having him coming back is a huge plus for us. I mean, if you think about uh, just over the course of the past, you know, what, five, ten years, how many times have Coach has had uh, his uh, starting point guard return, you know? So now he has his floor general. He has someone who, you know, is an extension of him on the court. So, you know, to have uh, Trey return is, you know, uh, it's so important for us, you know, as you stated, you know, not just because of his play, but because of the experience and, you know, getting other freshmen who will be an integral part of what we're doing, you know, to catch them up to speed and, and just really be the rock that they need, you know, to navigate, you know, the type of schedule and year that we hope to have, you know. So having that, that, that floor leader, that uh, that person that uh, coach going to rely on to, you know, make sure that, we're always heading in the right direction. It's just, it's just invaluable and such a huge get for him uh, returning for us. 
And I know you guys have kind of just scratched the surface of, of what you're going to be doing this year in terms of putting this this team together with a handful of workouts over the course of the summer. But uh, give us your early impressions on these freshmen. Wendell Moore, Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt. You know, we've all heard the names, but what have you seen from those guys? Well, they, they've had a tremendous summer. You know, they've worked really hard. You know, obviously uh, you, you don't know what to expect until you until you really get them um, you know, on the floor working for you. You know, in high school, you know, you you believe that they'll they'll come in and, and be able to obviously be major co- contributors, but to actually work with them and, and see how they work, see what they know, see what they're capable of. So we believe uh, we had a great summer. Um, you know, we started with Wendell. You know, we, we knew that he was kind of a, a, a jack of all trades, um, but, you know, he just really took – to everything coach was trying to, to teach him right away. You know, he kind of, much like Trey, he's a, he's a, he's a sponge. He soaks everything in and, you know, every workout, you know, all the guys bought, you know, bought the intensity, bought the, the energy, the effort. And, you know, with, with Wendell, you know, we see him, you know, being, you know, like a point uh, uh, forward, if you will, uh, because he, he, he really knows the game really really easy to play with you know at times in the summer in the workouts you know we really try to push him to, to probably be a little bit more assertive a little more aggressive off offensively because he really wants to get his teammates involved he plays the right way and you know and he's a two-way player you know he competes on both ends so that's one of the areas that uh you know coach felt you know they're very pleased with that you know we could be a tremendous defensive team so, you know, with him, you know, we just we just believe he could be a big-time player on, on both ends of the floor for us. And um, Matthew Hurt, you know, all the freshmen, you know, are very, very easy to play with. So you'll probably hear me say that, you know, more than once. But uh, just watching thing. him, you know, he's uh, uh, just a, it's a basketball player. You know, a lot of times, you know, people want to, you know, label you and say, okay, he's, uh, you know, just a face-up four and but he's actually a, you know, a great, you know, interior scorer. You know, he can post. Um, obviously, he can really shoot the ball. But he, he, he just he knows where the ball is going to be, and he finds it, and he does something really good with it. So, um, you know, watching him in the practices, you know, just always on the offensive glass, you know, capable of pushing the D-board and, and making a smart, just heady basketball play. So just watching him, you know, he's just a, just a epitomizes, you know, what uh, what you want from a player from, uh, and just in terms of taking care of the ball and making great decisions, you know. Um, so very, very, very pleased with him. Uh, Vernon Carey, right away, you know, you hear uh, some of the things that were said about him, you know, during the recruiting process, you know, knowing him, getting to know him, and say, hey, you know, his motor was a thing that. Uh, people question you know not his size not his athleticism not his ability but just his motor and you know watching him you know we we feel like once he got in shape and he started to really you know not not that not that they were all you know 100 percent you know where we wanted to be because there's no need to be there at this point but just some of the things that he was able to do in such a short time you know we feel that you know that 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 label of not having a motor you know, motor will, will be taken off of him because he's making plays, he's getting rebounds, running the floor, you know, catching lob passes, um, you know, blocking shots, sliding, diving on the floor. 
you know, just all the plays that, uh, you know, we didn't see him make in high school that, you know, he, without hesitation, you know, made this year, uh, this summer for us, you know. So uh, definitely uh, going to lean on him to be uh, a big-time interior presence for us. And, um, you know, just excited to, to, to have him, you know, uh, with us because he, he's going to be uh, a huge, huge uh, a player for us on the interior. Um, Cash is, I mean, to get him, you know, we got him late, got involved with uh, uh, him pretty late. But, you know, we knew he was a big-time athlete. You know, um, watching him, another versatile player, another guy who really plays the, the, the game the right way, doesn't try to do anything he's not capable of. You know, in a pinch, you know, he can help with ball handling. Um, you know, tremendous slasher, really a top-notch offensive rebound for the position or his size. He's always on all, all boards. Um, and he can be really a lockdown defender. You know, that's one of the things that Coach talked about and watching him play. He can really get after the ball, really get in the passing lane. That athleticism, you know, he was able to showcase that, you know, quite a bit throughout the summer. So, um, you know, we're very, very pleased, like like I said. And, and you know, they all worked hard each and every day. I feel like they got better. Um, even a walk-on, you know, um, uh, uh, Mike Severino, Coach K's grandson, you know, he's been great, you know, just getting the guys, rallying them, you know, just doing all the little things you want. So everyone was basically pulling their load. They were getting after it. And I think we got better as a team. And, you know, having the opportunity to, to work with your with your guys in the summer without going, you know, overboard, but just kind of being around, developing their skill set, seeing them play, you know, getting comfortable with them and, and they with you. You know, I think it was just uh, a, a huge summer for us. So it, it just left us with the even more excitement that we initially had. So, um, you know, so a lot of good things to say about this group. Well, certainly a lot of excitement uh, moving into this coming year. Just so happens to be a certain someone's 40th season. Uh, <laughs> Coach K obviously being that special someone. And I'm curious, Coach James, you, you've been around him for quite some time having played. Uh, at Duke as well. Are you still learning new things from Coach K? Uh, or, you know, wh- what are the ways that he's still maybe imparting wisdom on you on a on a daily basis, even after 40, 40 seasons? Well, you know, he, he, he's always trying to get better. You know, he he, he knows that if he just sits back and, and uh, you know, just, 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 just rest on the, on the five now championships and the gold medals and which he could, you know, but that's just not him. I think that's what makes him great. He's just always trying to get better, you know? So, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned um, as well as the other members of the staff is, you know, how can you get better each and every day? How can you push yourself? How can you get the most out of your, out of your team? And he's always trying to come up with just, just different ways to motivate, to, to, to get to know these guys because, you know, uh, this is his 40th, 40th year. So, you know, he's getting older, but the players seem to be getting younger. So, you know, h- how do you stay current? You know, so he's always mindful of making sure that uh, he can can relate, you know, as much as, you know, we all can relate. We're all getting older uh, to, to, to teenagers and, and, you know, these young adults. But each and every day he's just trying to figure out what, what he needs to be to become in order to give this young group you know, everything they need to, to fulfill, you know, their potential. And, you know, one thing that I just marvel at, you know, we've 
we pretty much, you know, have had a, 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 a new starting starting five each and every year over the last, you know, few years. And, and that's not an easy thing to do, you know, and, and people look at the talent and say, hey, you know, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. And, um, but to win young and to win, um, you know, with five, you know, new starters each and every year and to figure out, okay, how to get that particular group to work, to gel, to, to gain the, the chemistry um, that, that's going to be needed in order to, you know, make a big-time run at this thing. You know, he's always just looking for, for new inspiration. And uh, I think, uh, you know, over the years, you know, he's been able to do that. And I think USA Basketball was a big part of it, you know, seeing what the best players in the world are doing, the the, the best basketball minds, you know, see how they approach you know, they're young groups because the NBA is getting younger. So everyone's, you know, they, they have to adapt. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, coaches always, you know, really instilling in us. We have to be able to adapt, stay current, and figure out what the buttons to push, you know, for this young group because it wasn't always, uh, uh, you know, as much of a challenge because, you know, when I play, you know, we're going to be for four. Heck, I was there for, for five years. So you, you you had time to, to to know your team, you had time to see them mature, all the things that he's instilled in us and in, in the culture and the standards. You know, we had time to really you know absorb all of that and, and to, to, to 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 execute and to live it. But now everything is expedited, you know. So the the, the ability to adapt and stay flexible and continue to learn and grow is just something that I, I marvel at with, with Coach, and I think that's what makes him the best. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, the pinnacle of the sport, so to speak. And, you know, we're talking a lot today about being less than three weeks till kick. We're less than three months until tip. Uh, things going to get going, obviously, up right. at Madison Square Garden with Kansas uh, in the Champions Classic coming up on November 5th. Not that far away. But, Coach, we, we know right, right. Uh, this is a busy time for you and hopefully getting a little bit of downtime over the summer. But we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Coach. Thank you guys so much. And I um, look forward to, uh, you know, uh, uh, this group, like I said, to do some pretty, pretty uh, 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 spectacular things. And although we won't have uh, Zion uh, and RJ, you know, running and jumping and Cam hitting threes and everything, but you know, this group has an opportunity and a chance to to be uh, just as good, but just in a slightly different way. And and that, as I said before, you know, that's what makes coaches, you know, get his juices flowing because uh, it's, it's a new group with. You know, with uh, big time talent as well, and I'm looking forward to, you know, helping them. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, cut down some nets this year. But thanks again, guys, for having me. I appreciate everything. Absolutely, we appreciate it. That's associate head coach Nate James of the Duke men's basketball program, and we'll continue with Duke Day on the David Glenn Show in just a moment. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Duke Day on the David Glenn Show as we roll on on a Monday, third hour of the program as we start to wind things down and continue to count down to kickoff and count down in some respects to the launch of the ACC. Let's see what we did there, David. Oh, broadcasting trick. You just got it. I'm, I'm someone, taking notes. Someone who would know how to do that extremely well would be 
uh, Mark Packer, the star of Packer in Durham, going to get things underway on the ACC Network on August 22nd. And he joins us now. And, uh, Mark, are you getting a little bit of respite before, before the big show starts? Of course not. And let's get something straight. I am not the star of Packer <laughs> in Durham. Let me just give everybody a little clue on this because we've kept a lot of things under wraps when this thing gets launched next week. But no disrespect to my partner, Wes Durham, that the stars of this show – will be our, to- our dogs, Chester and Fuller, because ESPN wants them front and center uh, in the uh, shot. So uh, Wes and I will try to get through a three-hour show with the dogs on good behavior. So that's what you can expect with the launch beginning next week. That's, that's very important. And, and the other thing that's important, we've been kind of killing this over the course of our three hours. Uh, Dave and I have been giving folks a tour of the fine donut establishments in Durham. Who is on breakfast duty for you guys each day? Well, here's the deal, David. We, we've got two rules. Uh, whoever can show up, because we're doing the show from the basement of our house. Uh, there is access directly into the studio with, with the French doors. And there's two rules, because we're going to be live 7 to 10 a.m. Number one, you do have to pass the sniff test with Chester and Fuller. And number two, you have to bring breakfast. So if, if A and B get checked off, then whoever shows up, more the merrier. That's the way we're going to roll on this thing. Wouldn't passing the SNP test mean bringing breakfast? <laughs> yes. I, I would hope it's all one and the same. Does, does, the above. big question is, does Wes Durham know he's not the star of the show yet? <laughs> uh, I, I've already alerted him. He has uh, been hanging out at the house long enough to know that uh, Chester and Fuller are running the show. We're just along for the ride to add some commentary and make sure that we talk about each every HACC school on every single show. So uh, once we get that part done, we'll be good to go. Well, I can't wait to see the setup, uh, seeing some of those behind-the-scenes shots that you guys have been putting out on social media. But uh, I think everybody is eagerly awaiting what the studio will look like, especially being in the basement of the home. Uh, I will tell you, there will be uh, some things that you will see over our shoulders uh, that are the only ones of its kind in the world. Uh, there will be so many stories to be told uh, with things that are behind us uh, which I think will be part of the, of the really of the show. I mean, up and above the games themselves and the great features we'll have with the players and the student athletes and so forth. The great thing about this league uh, and this network is it's going to allow us to storytell. I think it's one of the great aspects about this conference and its history, uh, whether we're talking football, basketball, baseball, or any other sport for that matter, or the storytelling opportunities. And I think you will see that with this set, which will be unveiled next week. Well, uh, obviously, when you guys get started, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on football. And uh, we're visiting with Mark Packer, host of the Packer and Durham show. It's going to be launching on the ACC Network on August 22nd. So I want to pick your brain a little bit. I think the, the obvious choice, everyone likes to talk about Clemson, and rightfully so, the defending national champion. But uh, below that, when you kind of look at the football landscape in the ACC, what are, what are a handful of the teams you're looking forward to seeing? You know, David, I think the biggest story for the league, uh, and, and we're talking now from 30,000 feet in terms of the ACC being a conversation from a national perspective. I think there's three teams that, for me, jump out that have to have good years in 2019. And these three teams were all expected to be good last year. All at this time last year were ranked in the top 20, and all three of them had disappointing seasons. And whatever order you want to put them in, Miami, Florida State, and Virginia Tech have national brands. Uh, they've won at the ultimate stage in terms of people know who they are. All three of them last year we thought would be good. All three of them had disappointing years. And I think for the ACC, this side of everything in Death Valley, uh, the league needs those three to be really good. I mean, if Syracuse gives you another 
10-win season, that's fantastic. Dave Doran's been building a solid program, winning nine, hopefully to try to break through and get to double digits this year. Uh, David Cutcliffe has given us some signs. I think this could be Dave Clawson's best team, for crying out loud. Uh, Virginia is the pick in the Coastal. Again, that crazy Coastal division where the last six years have been won by six different teams. Now it seems to be Virginia's turn. We'll see if they can step up and take care of business. I think there's a lot of storylines, but from a national perspective, I think the combination of Virginia Tech, Miami, and Florida State all need to have bounce-back years. And you know, we'll find out more about Miami next week. They announced that uh, Jaron Williams is going to be their quarterback going up against uh, Florida. I think it's an important uh, game for Willie Taggart to get off to a good start against a good Boise State team. And, of course, Virginia Tech will open up with uh, in-conference play against the Boston College team. It's never easy to win in Chestnut Hill. So interesting storylines out of the gate, including Virginia at Pittsburgh, where they've had no success. So uh, I think this league will give us plenty to talk about after week one. What are you looking forward to you know, moving through the rest of the season? Obviously, you, you get a chance to talk about all the different uh, teams and, and, and student-athletes uh, across the, the conference. And obviously, it is important on the front end to obviously establish the, the ACC's dominance. And you talk about Miami having a chance to do that with Florida. But as you get down the stretch and the other uh, storylines develop, is there a specific player or coach you're looking forward to most to, to getting in studio and, and really being able to, to talk through things and work through things, whether that's football or basketball or any other sport? I think that since we have football in the brain, and that's really what we're going to concentrate from the get-go, because to be honest with you, the ACC from a basketball standpoint may have as intriguing a year in terms of the unknown as we've ever seen. When you start talking about no one from the first team or second team, all ACC returns, we've never seen that before. And there's even people whispering, that, hey, Louisville's going to be the best team. Well, we'll get to hoops eventually. But from a football standpoint, I mean, again, Clemson's an easy conversation piece because what Dabo has been able to establish. To me, the interesting thing is if we're going to just assume, and that's always a dangerous thing to do, but if we're going to assume that Clemson's on another plane, all right, who comes after them? Who's the team? Is it Syracuse who's played them as well as anybody in the country the last two years? Can Dino Babers you know, kind of validate last year's 10-win season given the fact that you know, they lose a guy in their starting quarterback, and there are some pieces for that linebackers and so forth that have to get better. I'm kind of curious to see what the new coaches do. I mean, Mac Brown being back at North Carolina, I know he's got people excited, but they've only won five games in the last two years, and really, can they make some kind of move? It's kind of a total rebuild for Satterfield at Louisville. Uh, and Georgia Tech, of course, you know, Jeff Collins has got people fired up with Waffle House in the 404, <laughs> but they get the chance to opening up in Death Valley, which I don't think you'd wish on your worst enemy. So, I think trying to find out who's going to emerge to be a real contender for that number two spot heading into it and whether that could be Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia and possibly winning the Coastal. And, again, those three teams I keep going back to always with Miami, Florida State, and Virginia Tech, to me are really the key to the ACC from a national perspective. But I think just to see how this thing works itself out will be really, really interesting. We're visiting with Mark Packer of the ACC Network. And Mark Duke obviously has a marquee non-conference matchup to start things against Alabama. And you look at the last couple of years for Duke in non-conference play, a couple of wins over Northwestern, a couple of wins over Baylor, beating an Army team last year uh, that won 10 games. And, and I say that in the context of when you think of things nationally, everyone seems to think of the SEC and, and the Big Ten as being kind of these bullies in college football. Meanwhile, the ACC just keeps chugging along winning games. While everyone's talking about those other leagues, the ACC is winning. Do you think the network's going to be a big part of kind of changing that conversation and maybe looking a little bit more at results than maybe perception? 
Well, and hype has always been a wonderful thing for people who like to use it. I, I'd much rather have hardware than hype. I mean, there's still a lot of people, if you walk down the street this side of uh, uh, Tuscaloosa and you say, hey, name the league that's won three of the last six national championships in football, I'm not sure anybody in the state of Alabama would get that one right. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, If you ask an SEC fan, hey, who's got a better record straight up since the college football playoffs era started, the ACC or the SEC? I can assure you 100% of SEC fans would miss the question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people don't want to hear and you can't handle the truth. Uh, I think there's no doubt that Clemson's handled their business. I think the most important question for the league, though, is who else can step up and start making some noise? And, um, you know, Duke's certainly going to get an opportunity. I don't know if I wish anybody to play Alabama coming off 44-16 to 16 and all the excuses and whining coming out of Alabama since January. Uh, but, you know, David Cutcliffe being an alum, I think he's a great coach. Uh, whether he's got the talent to stay and, and make that competitive, I have no earthly idea. I guess we'll find out in Atlanta. But the one thing I applaud uh, Coach Cut with, though, is I know Nick Saban over the weekend talked about, man, we need to get playing neat. We, meaning Alabama, need to get playing 10 power five opponents. You know, you take a look at what Duke's doing outside the league. Uh, they're going to go play Alabama. They're going to go play Notre Dame. Those are two teams in last year's college football playoff. Uh, and that, to me, as a fan, I, you know, I want to be entertained. You know, I want my guys to be able to compete against the very best. And, you know, I just love the fact of what David Cutcliffe's been able to accomplish since he rolled into town because, as you guys know, before he got to town, it was ugly in terms of your football season in Durham. And, uh, man, he has been so consistently good. But that is a tough, tough schedule, not to mention Bama and Notre Dame, but at Virginia Tech, at Virginia a crossover game, you don't get a break playing Syracuse. He's on the up and up. So it is a very, very tough, difficult, challenging schedule for Duke. Well, if you look back over the years, it seems to be those seasons when David Cutcliffe has been here that a lot wasn't expected, that they tend to jump up and surprise some people, and we'll yep. see how it plays out for Duke this season. Mark, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Mark. Guys, anytime. We look forward to having you guys on the show. Appreciate it. That's Mark Packer of the ACC Network. We'll come back and bring on – John Roth, talk a little football and basketball as we continue with Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. And we're back on Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. David Shumate and Dave Harding with you as we wrap this thing up. Got 20 minutes or so. John Roth is going to join us in just a second as we look ahead uh, to the start of the college football season. Less than three weeks until Duke will be down in Atlanta to take on Alabama in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That is a 3.30 kick. Kind of an odd start to the season for Duke with a bunch of night games stacked up. After that is, they'll come home for their home opener against North Carolina A&T the following week. That's a 6 o'clock kick here at Wallace Wade Stadium. Week 3 off to Murfreesboro for a date with Middle Tennessee State. That's a 7 o'clock kick back here on the East Coast over there in the Central Time Zone. It'll be a 6 o'clock local kick. And then a week off before the ACC opener in Blacksburg on a Friday night at 7 o'clock from Lane Stadium. But as we said, let's bring in the aforementioned John Roth to talk things over a little bit. Roth, of course, is with us every game and the pregame and down along the sidelines. And 
John, normally you are the one telling us about delicious things you can find at home and on the road. Dave said he wanted to start by telling <laughs> you about a few delicious donuts that he's been perusing. John, I have a, oh, a horrible admission to make and, and let you know that I, although I got breakfast with you today, continue. Oh, you double dipped? <laughs> Got we didn't go to this a morning. donut place, however. <laughs> we, well, we went healthier-er, I guess, at, at er, breakfast. Er. And then I come up here, and David has three – are these dozens or half dozens? These are half, half dozens. dozens. Yeah, three half dozen boxes from different donut uh, amazing places, whatever, creators. What, what, do you, what do you call these people? Um, doneteers. Restaurateurs. Bakers. 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 <laughs> this that, is that why helps. we need raw. Thank you, John. But – I, I got to say that any one of these donuts would have been a perfect segment for you during a game because it has been just the most delightful blend of cakey texture with a nice sugary out exterior uh, and, and crispiness all while also being moist. So I've really enjoyed the past couple of hours, not because David's been up here, but more because I've been looking at three boxes of donuts. Nothing true well, has Dave, ever I been to, said. Uh, Dave, I have to say that some of the best donuts I've ever had in my life have been with you and Shoemate. Do you remember ah. last year we had the Baylor game, and we took that day trip to Austin, Texas, and we went downtown to Voodoo Donuts down there, and we got that box of donuts that must have had 30 donuts in it for $6. So yeah. around the table, and that was, that was a pretty good donut eating right there. Well, we, I just remember we were walking around the city of Austin, taking in all the sights. It was a beautiful city. And I locked eyes with the voodoo donut sign across the street. And I must, I think I walked straight through traffic to get there, like a, a bug drawn to light. Uh, we went in and the, the, one of the toughest decisions of the past couple of years for me was to decide on the box of 30 donuts for $8 versus the $10, was it eight gallon bucket uh, of donuts. <laughs> there was because a lot of variety in there. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, you're right. We just we keep we found what works for us, and that's eating and and donuts, and we stick to it. We sure do. And Shimmy always seems to find the sweet stuff too. I remember a place in uh, Detroit for the bowl game. I got I got there a little bit later than you guys did. He'd already got like a big box full of sweets to bring to the press box to have during the game. Like he knows he he, he just tracks these places down naturally. I think. He does. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of the job is being able to travel. And as a player, you enjoyed pregame meals because you, you had basically the same food on the road every single week. Uh, always finished off on a Friday night with ice cream bar. But now with you guys, we get to go out and I don't have to worry about running around the next day. I just have to be able to show up and fit through the door to the broadcast booth, <laughs> which sometimes we push it. But uh, it's a lot of fun trying out all these different places and that that's the first thing i check when we get the schedule release is is more where we're going to eat as opposed to what uh, what the blue devils opponents look like so have you picked out a place for atlanta yet for the opener not yet no and i'm also a little early, a little early. I'm, I'm pretty excited about nashville also hope to get some barbecue absolutely out. Well, John, let's keep on that theme. When you look at the schedule, and I guess we will talk a little bit of football, right. a little bit of work here. Road trip. Which road trip do you think maybe will be most important? I don't want to say season-defining because that's probably over the top, but when you look at the early portion of the schedule, what do you think are some of the key games for Duke this year? Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, Duke typically has to win its non-conference games to be a team that's going to be in the hunt for uh, a uh, six wins or more in a bowl bid. And so usually I look first to see what the non-conference games are going to be. And 
this year. Uh, two of the four are with teams that were in the playoff last year in Alabama and Notre Dame. Um, so I think the other two are essential, of course, Middle Tennessee and North Carolina A&T. And then after that, this year in particular in the Coastal Division, it seems like almost every game could be considered a toss-up. I mean, we look at the mm-hmm. the preseason poll done at the ACC kickoff a couple weeks ago. You might, guys might already talked about this, but every team in the Coastal got at least one first-place vote. So there are a lot of expectations for some expectations for every team in there. But I'm looking at a couple of teams that have new coaches in Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and Miami. So I guess that's more than a couple. That's three. So you know you got to like when you have a veteran coach coming back with a system in place. You hope that maybe you can take advantage of something with a team that's in his first year under a new coach. So I think those three would be key. And to me, Virginia and Pittsburgh are two games that you really got to look at. I'm not saying that either team should be favored to win that, but the last four years, Virginia and Pittsburgh, have both those teams have swept Duke for four straight years. And before that, Duke had done pretty well, particularly against Virginia. And I think, you know, you got to try to look at those two and try to try to get at least one of those two when you're looking at the schedule overall. So if you get a couple of non-conferences, you get a couple of those uh, teams with new coaches and you like get a Pittsburgh or Virginia, I think all of a sudden you're at six wins, you're bidding for seven you can start talking about being in the hunt for postseason. John, you do such a great job following the storylines associated with Duke football and Duke basketball and do a great job of putting together the the respective TV shows for both of the sports. But I'm curious to know what storyline intrigues you the most going into this Duke football season. Well, one's an automatic, and and you guys may have talked about this. Everybody's talked about it probably, and and that's just to see – what transpires with Quentin Harris as the starting quarterback. I mean, Coach Cutcliffe has basically had a system for bringing quarterbacks into the starting role, and there's been a pattern of succession since he's been here, beginning with uh, Thad Lewis being backed up by Sean Renfrey, and Renfrey becomes the starter. Then Renfrey being backed up by Boone, and Boone becomes the starter. Boone being backed up by Sirk, and Sirk becomes the starter. And Cirque was supposed to be the starter one more year and be backed up by Daniel Jones, but he got injured. So Daniel Jones kind of got thrown in there as the redshirt freshman and had to do it on his own. But besides that, just about every year, Coach Cut has had you know, his starter backed up by somebody who he puts in play for certain packages, certain situations, gets them experience, and then at some point hopes that they're ready to take over the reins. And that's basically what happened this year with Daniel leaving early. Quentin Harris has been the guy last year who actually got a couple of starts and got to be on the field in certain packages. And so it's going to be intriguing to see if that sort of pattern of succession continues along the Cutcliffe quarterback lines. And I think also I'm kind of interested in the other storyline that I'm liking to follow is on the defensive side where there are like eight to 10 guys from the same recruiting class of 2017 that are all now either starters or top uh, performing top, you know, considered top performers or contributors for the Duke defense. Like, four of the five starters in the secondary, and I think three of the four starters on the defensive line are all members of that same recruiting class that are in their third year now. Uh, a couple of them started as freshmen, but they you know, they had their roles as either some got redshirted, some were backups last year. A lot of them played more, and now a lot of them will be starting. And it was a tremendous recruiting class for Duke, and they could be the backbone of what could be a really good defense. So I think seeing how those guys all kind of come together, make the defense their own, and contribute and see what they can do. I think that's maybe those are two of the things I'm looking forward to. 
We're visiting with John Roth, of course, our sideline reporter and pregame show host for football and analyst for men's basketball on the radio side of things here at Duke. And, of course, the man who also wrote the book, literally, the encyclopedia of Duke basketball. John, got about 90 seconds here. Uh, let you go on this. Uh, just a quick thought on hoops. Uh, some of the youngsters coming in. Last year's team, of course, everyone knows about the exploits of Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, but a little bit under the radar. Only 27% of Duke's points last year came from three. Uh, from what we've seen over the summer and from these younger guys, it certainly looks that's going to change coming into this season. What's your impression of the team? Yeah, I would think that it would be a better three-point shooting team. Obviously, we didn't see much of Joey Baker last year. I mean, he lost his el- you know, the year of eligibility by playing at the end of the year, but he's somebody who can shoot. We're going to probably see that a little bit more. Alex O'Connell, I think, is a decent shooter, a better shooter. He gets better every year. I think we're going to see some shooting from him. Jack White had a bad slump last year, but normally he's a pretty good three-point shooter. And a couple of the guys coming in, I mean, Matthew Hurt is a scorer who can hit from three-point range. And, and Vernon Carey, the big guy, has three-point range to space things out as well. And Cassius Stanley can shoot. So I think it's going to be a much better three-point shooting team that will provide some balance for what they do in transition as well as trying to get it inside. Should be a lot of fun and crazy to think how fast it's coming, both on the football and the basketball front. And Dave's over here on his phone. He's trying to find you a place to eat in Atlanta for dinner on Friday night, John. So we're on the case. We got you covered. <laughs> I will have dessert covered. Dave has dinner. Oh, I think he's already locked into a couple At of places. At the very least, we're going to the varsity. So we'll, we'll be good oh, either way. No, well, that, 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 was our, that was our stadium eats report last year. For the <laughs> I know. I stepped over there right before kickoff and got a burger. John, always finding a way to get the best food stadium eats report. The best. Thanks, John. All right, John. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. That's John Ross. We'll come back, wrap up Duke Day on the David Glenn Show in just a moment. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. And yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. It's kind of wind things down. David Shoemate and Dave Harding, great guests today. Chris Pollard with the baseball program. Dan Brooks, the head coach of the women's golf program. Derek Jones, associate head coach with football. Nate James, associate head coach with men's basketball. Mark Packer, John Roth, a little bit of everybody. And got a lot in there, and I'm ready for some football. I don't know about you. Yeah, we learned a lot uh, over the course of the past three hours, but a lot of fun. But clearly, uh, the attention now focusing on what takes place on the gridiron over the next couple of weeks. And certainly a a lot to look forward to for Duke fans and for Duke football fans. uh, uh, An exciting time and can't wait. Real quick, got about 30 seconds. We talked about this with Mark Packer, but this is a Duke football team that it feels like, whether it's on the road or when they're underestimated, feels like they play their best brand of football. Do you expect to see the same thing in Atlanta? Yeah, I do. Uh, not necessarily know that that's going to result in a win, but I think it'll be the, the best brand of Duke football that you can possibly see. Should be a lot of fun. Again, that is a 3.30 kick in Atlanta as the Blue Devils open up the season. We'll find out at the AP poll in a little bit, but the coaches poll uh, has Alabama as the number two team in the country. Coin flip, really, between number one and number two when you look at Clemson and Alabama, the two teams that played for a national title a year ago and two teams that a lot of people say have a chance to play for a national title here coming up this season, although Duke feels like they'd like to play a role in that. Big non-conference games, Alabama and Notre Dame. It all starts on August 31st, just 19 days away, the start of the season for Duke. Thanks so much for joining us. For Dave Harding, 
I'm David Shoemate. That's it for Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.